0: Welcome to Growth Mindset On. I'm Krishnak Ruchanu, your host, and the objective of this podcast is bringing you conversation with changemakers. I will be interviewing inspiring people in order to keep you with the mindset needed to achieve success. Hi, Growth Mindset people. Welcome back. On this week's episode, I'm so pleased to introduce you to Stephen. I met Stephen several years ago in London at a Nine Others dinner. During the event, I was amazed by his articulated speech and his drive towards side projects and career management. I would like to name him the Growth Mindset Coach of the Month, as every single tip he gives on this episode is something that you can apply in your daily life. Listen to him speaking about how to nurture and grow your network organically. Especially, you will also learn about the importance of having a professional roadmap in order to be able to keep track, and envision a strategy for your career management. Last but not least, learn how side projects are an endless source of learning. Are you ready? One hour, countless practical tips that can turn you into a successful connector, more efficient person, and above all, a growth mindset leader. Let's get started! Steven, it's so nice to have you here at Growth Mindset On and uh, as I normally do I I ask guests to introduce themselves so uh, let me know some things about you.
1: Hey Christina, Uh, first of all thanks for having me on the on the podcast. I've I've listened to all the podcasts so far and uh, it's been really cool to see you do this. Um, So a little bit about me, I'll keep it short and sweet initially and then we can we can dive into a little bit more but um, uh, I spent the first five years of my career um, working in venture-backed tech startups uh, in a number of commercial roles, so predominantly in sales, business development, partnerships, marketing. Um, most recently, that was with um, Deliveroo, um, who who is sort of the, the food delivery startup here in the UK that have uh, now expanded and got pretty big around Europe. Uh, and then, actually, about eighteen months ago, I took six months off. I went away traveling around the world uh, and decided that I was actually going to turn my hand and become a software developer. So I moved from the, the, non-tech, the non-tech side to the tech side. And I'm now working at an um, insurtech startup in London, um, building a SaaS enterprise product. And uh, in my own time, I also like to have my hand on a few side projects and, and be building stuff and launching stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think we met. Oh, wow. A while ago now at an event hosted by uh, our friend Matt, um, a Nine Others event where it was all about entrepreneurship and kind of putting stuff out there. So, so yeah, I'm still trying to do that.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. In fact, uh, that's uh, definitely I will leave a comment about Nine Others for, for listeners to know more, to learn more about it. And uh, yeah. please yeah.
1: It's a great event.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, basically, um, yes, I'm so excited to have it just because uh, as uh, we were we were just mentioning before, um, remember that, that nine others did in the was my first night in London uh, while I was there for six months doing uh, like uh, an internship, I ju- it wasn't an award I was given by the European Union with my own, uh, my own project, and it was so great, you know, to meet uh, you and other people, so So uh, I remember you giving very good advice on career management. In fact, I remember you pointing out something which was very cool. I can remember that somebody asked, even even this, uh, Marius, uh, probably he asked, what can I do to improve or to be better or to land a better job? And um, I think you were saying, hang out with people who in five years will be able to help you or something like that. And I thought, wow, that's really smart, you know, because we always uh, think of, um, of you know, hanging out with people probably who are, you know, way uh, up in the career ladder, and uh, probably are not so reachable, but you're saying, you know, just hang out with really smart people who are more or less your age, but you know that in five, uh, five years, you'll be doing something, and um, in five years, you'll be able to help each other, so I found that very, uh, you know, very career-focused, and I found very smart, you know, I'm like, wow, this is really good advice, you know, so...
1: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was going to say when you started that story, I couldn't remember exactly what I said, but that does sound like me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a funny one, right? Um, I think as young people, the kind of um, when you meet other people and you see successful people, the temptation can be to to go after you know the CEO or the head of that company or or someone who from the outside in looks like they are the most successful the most smart the most uh all these things and um oftentimes uh when people ask me you know how do i go about you know either building a successful network or or you know being around smart people or, or having good opportunities um it kind of as you picked up i think a more effective strategy can be to kind of take a risk on people who are who are earlier in their career but you feel strongly that they will do something very good right yeah. because you know, CEOs of companies, they, they haven't got time often to, to spend with you or or at least they've got less time to spend with you. And, you know, oftentimes if, if you can make a habit of spending time with and seeking people who are talented, um, who are promising, who are high potential, you know, just let time do its thing. And in one year's time, two years time, three years time if you have spoken to these people enough, you know, they'll be in a position where they might be the, the manager of a venture fund, or they might be the CEO of a really interesting company you want to work for, or they might be, you know, hiring for the next, um, for the, for Google or, or Uber or whoever else. So I think oftentimes, you know, a great thing you can do is just, is just learn how to, to pick people who have high potential before everyone else realizes it. Um, and, and that, I think that holds true in, in a lot of different areas of kind of startups and entrepreneurship and, and generally. Uh, you wow.
0: Know, yeah, yeah, completely. I completely agree with you uh, here. You know, it's because sometimes we we forget that we are surrounded um, by amazing people and we probably just look uh, up to other people, which is a good thing, but we don't have to forget that uh, if we help the people around us and uh, and we make an impact in our community, uh, it doesn't matter how up they are in their career. Definitely that's going to like pay off in the long term. You know, I think it's always about bringing value
1: one hundred percent. And there's a great um, I think it's Mark Suster, who, who's a who's an American VC who has a couple of kind of posts on, on networking and building relationships. And he, he said one thing that stands out to me that I think is relevant here is the idea that relationships are, are lines, not dots. And by that, he means that you to have a good relationship with someone, you have to build it up over time. And, you know, if you reach out to someone who's a CEO one day suddenly and just say, hey, I want to have a chat with you. Um, you know, that, that's kind of like a one-off event where they haven't really had a chance to get to know you and they probably have many people in their own lives who they've built a relationship up over time. Whereas if you build up a relationship with someone from one years ago, uh, one year ago, two years, three years, when they do, when they do become into a position where, where they have some impact or, or power or, or ability to, to change, uh, you know, the environment or, or your life, your community, um, the fact that you've known them over a period of time means they are far more likely to interact with you and vouch for you and give you that opportunity. So I think in the realm of relationships, in the realm of your network, bearing that in mind uh, that relationships are lines, not dots, is, is really important.
0: Wow. That's, that's, I think it's a fantastic advice, uh, to be given, especially I think London, uh, you know, because I've been living in Barcelona for a long time in Spain not Barcelona, but, uh, I think London, it's uh, particularly difficult. Uh, do you think like, um, maintaining relationship, um, because, uh, it's, it's such a big place and sometimes i remember when i was being there um, sometimes it's difficult to meet people on a constant basis how do you do to nurture your relationships like what advice would you give in in, in terms of, of that
1: yeah it's a great question i mean london is a is a big city and there's a lot of people and it's very dynamic so so it can you can very easily become lost in that i mean for me um, I guess I'll answer this in a few different ways. One is that I think, you know, putting yourself in a, in a community um, where you're likely to, to meet people organically that you are interested in is, is a very valuable thing. So for example, um, you know, by choosing to work in startups, you know, there's a certain type of person you're likely to be with, you know, that's a self-selecting pool of people, that's a self-selecting community. So even if you do nothing else in your own time to try and reach new people, Purely by working in a certain industry or working in a certain community, you are going to you know, rub shoulders with that type of person. So I think being deliberate about what community and what industry you, you choose to work in is an, is an important one in itself. Um, but, but in another way, if I can answer that another way, um, one thing, you know, I personally, just to lean on my personal experience, one thing I personally try to do, and again, I think I picked this up from a, from a Mark Suster post, so a lot of my thinking on the kind of relationships and networking maybe came from him, is he said, uh, and I'll try and link it to you afterwards, so you mm. can send it to your list as well. Is he said if if you can meet one new person a week for a year, in the end of that year you would have met fifty two people who are potentially really interesting, who are potentially very talented, who are potentially um, you know going to do great things. And that's very powerful, you know. F- fifty two people is, is is a massive kind of number when you think about it in just one year. So that's something I've really tried to do in my own life, um, you know. I try to meet one new person maybe a week. Uh, and you know, that can be quite easy to do you know, if you think about just taking a, a lunch break and, and having lunch with someone or having a quick coffee with someone. And I find that if you can do that, um, you oftentimes will have really interesting conversations. You oftentimes will kind of build relationships with people you know, outside of your company, outside of your direct work workspace, which can be really interesting. And I've been surprised over my short career so far how many, um, how many interesting opportunities have come through that you know, just through keeping in touch with these people who maybe weren't directly uh, in and around me, but uh, I've met through other means. And I think, you know, LinkedIn here tool is is an amazing tool that that obviously everyone knows about, but perhaps people don't use in a deliberate enough way you know one way that i use linkedin for example is to look at some companies or that i think are doing interesting things or that i think are um you know are growing in an interesting way and just look at all the people that work for that company and then see okay is there anyone here who i might want to meet is there anyone here who might want to meet me is there anyone that we can you know have a coffee exchange some ideas and maybe you know that will have some value and i think that actually that that's um i think that piece of advice to try and meet one new person a week even if it isn't one new person a week, maybe it's one new person a month. I think that holds across most industries and that holds across most types of people. I think generally that's that, that's a good thing to be doing.
0: Wow. I think it's a, these are very, very good tips because I think we are, there are so many opportunities out, out there. And I think that sometimes we don't make the most of it. Um, and we need to be reminded uh, by, you know, by reading or, or by listening to other people who, who are experts in this area, how to do it. Because I think we have this, as you're saying, even LinkedIn, it's such a tool that everyone has, but we can use it in so many different ways that could provide much more value to us in, even like meeting people face to face, not necessarily just online and just, it definitely, it's, it's, it requires some time, and it's it, it an effort, but it's like stepping out of your comfort zone and just keep growing by learning other people. I think that's, that's definitely one of the things that, that makes us uh, smarter somehow, just by um, talking and um, having interesting conversation with people who probably are outside of our industry and it gives us another point of view on, on life you know, or, or on how to look at our careers and and that's definitely uh, i really like the the, the three things you, you pointed out and uh i i think I'll, I'll probably take the one of meeting someone once a week
1: <laughs> i'm glad yeah i mean i would love on this podcast and um, you know i'm sure we're going to speak about a range of things um but I'm, I'm a big you know i love speaking about ideas and concepts but i also love sharing kind of practical um takeaways and you know if if you or, or your listeners could just have one thing that, take, that you could take away and actually put into practice, for me, that would be, that would be great because, you know, it's, it's great to hear kind of lofty ideas. But I think oftentimes uh, when it comes to learning, when it comes to growing uh, as an individual, we, we want to hear and do and, and hear and kind of take away things that are actually actionable. What can I actually put into yeah. practice? What can I actually do? And that struck me as one piece of advice that was particularly actionable
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely, I completely agree with you on on, on that side, and 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 I, I, it's something that I want of the podcast to be because even myself, um, when I listen to other podcasts, and it's just, you know, just people uh, talking without any objective or without giving any specifics things you know or tips that you can start applying today or tomorrow whenever you have the time it's it, it doesn't it's not so 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 interesting for me because you want to learn a skill i think when we spend time on something yeah, be it reading be it uh, listening to a podcast or being uh, whatever no uh, we exactly. we we want to uh, we want to turn that into something that help us uh, grow and, and and be better every day um exactly i agree I was also, uh, I remember back then, uh, and I definitely think you're, a, uh, you're a person that it's actionable because I remember when we met that night, uh, that dinner, you really wanted to become uh, a developer and it was something I think you were, you were discussing, you were thinking about the next step. Yeah. And yeah, I'm happy to see that you've done that. And it says a lot that you're a person who, who, uh, you know, uh, k- kind of makes a plan and goes for it. So, uh, so explain me how would that change? Um I suppose it was something you were thinking about. Explain me how yeah. was it?
1: It's it's great that you you remember that and it's funny because um it feels like it's been a long, long time coming. Yeah. Um I have I have a short version of this story and a longer version of this story and, and perhaps I'll tell the the longer version. It, it's not too long, so yeah. don't worry. But um, yeah, so I recently became a software developer. I've been in my first role as a software developer now for for just under six months, uh, and it's been a, an amazing change. You know, if if this is a, podca- a podcast where we're going to discuss kind of mm-hmm. growth mindset, um, you know, learning to code is is really something that stretches stretches that. Um, so it's been a fun change. It's been a change where yeah, I've definitely experienced one of the fastest paces of, of learning I've had in a while. Um, but it's funny. Yeah. I mean, we met, I think we were discussing before the, before we jumped on, but, uh, you know, sometime I think around 2015, um, and I've been thinking about becoming a developer for way before that, before it actually happened. So, I mean, the earliest, um, Kind of thought I had. I remember when I was in secondary school and I kind of walked through the library and I Pick picked up this book which was called Websites for Dummies, um, if you remember those kind of books, that brand of books. And it was literally a, a paper book manual where I opened it to a few pages and it had kind of code written down on, on the pages. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, this is amazing. Like this is how people build websites. Mm. And that was the first time where I really started thinking about maybe coding and, and what that would what that would entail. And I, I first sort of became aware of computers and technology as a, as a medium to to kind of do things. Um, so fast forward another two years, I'd um, finished university. I was in my first job at a startup. Um, I'd been teaching myself coding in my own time via courses online and stuff like Coursera, et cetera. So I'd got a little bit of the basics of HTML, CSS, Mm -hmm. JavaScript. Um, and I was in my first job where a very little part of the job was to do kind of some computer support stuff. Um, and then at that point, this is 2014 now, I think General Assembly had just come over from New York to London, and I looked at uh, being part of their first batch of um, kind of boot camp uh, computer science courses. And I remember I was, I was about halfway through the application process. I'd had my in-person interview mm-hmm. on the phone. Um, and whilst I was going through that process, I was um, contacted by a recruiter from Deliveroo who said, hey, do you want to come be part of the, uh, the team in Deliveroo and go, go launch new cities as they expand? So in the end, I, I didn't end up doing the that didn't end up doing the course with GA in 2014. I, I went away and did this um, opportunity with Deliveroo, which ended up being an amazing three years there. Um, and you know, fast forward another four years, we're in 2018 now. I was uh, traveling around the world, and I was actually on a flight um, in the Philippines, and I sat back in on the plane, and it came to me again, like even you should learn how to code. And at this point, um, having thought about it three times before and not doing it, I realized there was absolutely no reason why I shouldn't be doing it. And it was at that point that I, that I got off the plane and I, I sent a message off to the guys at General Assembly and I, I pretty much applied to be on their next cohort back in London. And uh, yeah, in two months time, I was back in London doing the course and kind of doing the boot camp three month yeah. course, intensive course, learning how to code
0: so everything is possible i mean it took you some time you know like because you had you know like uh, been uh, offered a job you know many things in between but you had your objective uh, very, very clear, and uh, you went for it. Although there, you, you kind of delayed it, but and uh, but that's great. I mean, that's the fact that you know, our, our self-setting objectives in our life were like it was like kind of a dream to say for you. You know, it was one of the things that you you saw since you were very young. Uh, it's uh, and you you kind of had it there, kind of uh, latent, but you just you went you went for it, and I, I really I really like that because I think there are some people. We always, um, who are not brave enough to pursue uh, what they want or uh, what they can uh, become their their careers in the future, you know? So, because, you know, it takes some effort. It takes some effort. If you already have a job and you're good at your jo- job, it, you need to get out of your comfort zone and, 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 and take a decision because sometimes it's even that it's a, a strain for our mind to, to be constantly uh, taking decisions. Exactly. So, um, so I, it's, it, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, go ahead. So, so I was just going to add, Christina, it's, um, you mentioned the word effort, and it definitely does take effort. But, but another word I want to mention actually is, is patience. Mm-hmm. Um, by that I mean that for me, um, I kind of had this, this, this goal in mind, uh, and, and the goal wasn't necessarily just to become a software developer. The goal was to kind of do something in the realm of technology entrepreneurship. And I knew that that was the goal, but I didn't necessarily know my exact route to get there. Yeah. You know, working in startups, I knew was going to be important to that. And, um, you know, I thought maybe working in sales and partnership development could be the way to get that. But over time, I realized that maybe having more kind of actual software development skills would be the, the way to do that. And, you know, who knows if that will be true. But one thing that, that I do be, think is true, um, effort for sure, but also patience. I think when, I think one of the things that prevented me from taking this path earlier on is that when I was a bit younger, I think I thought that success uh, and these kind of goals i was was going towards would come m- more quickly mm. i thought okay if i work hard for a year something big's mm. going to happen if i work hard for for 18 months something big's going to happen and when you think with that kind of um relatively short term cycle it can be difficult to do certain things and i mm. think learning a skill like software development um with a with a s- Short term horizon is very, very difficult. So, I think one of the big things that changed, you know, if you spoke to the Stephen at kind of 18 years old versus the Stephen at 20 years old versus the Stephen now, is that I'm, I think I'm a more patient person now. And I think yeah. by being more patient, I was able to have a, a longer term horizon on what I wanted to do. And that enables me to actually think, okay, hey, taking Three months out, a year out, two years out, five years out to learn how to code, to learn this new skill, to do it properly Mm -hmm. actually enabled me to do that. Whereas before, I don't think I was patient enough to go and do that and kind of take that time away and and learn something new to the same degree. Mm -hmm. I wanted things with 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 a shorter term payback.
0: Yeah, yeah 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 I go I completely I completely agree with you and sometimes some things uh, I probably when we are way younger we are impatient we want everything now and and uh, learning how to kind of wait and wait for the for the right moment to do that you can do it in, in a in a better way somehow you probably if you have done it like like when you were younger it wouldn't have been like you know such a conscious decision you know and and you probably now put all much more effort into it so so yeah I'm glad you and uh, you, you've done it and how do you feel how do you feel about this change are you excited yeah, uh, how is the I learning am. curve
1: <laughs> yeah I am excited first of all uh, and, and the learning curve has been very 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 steep I think one thing that's um, really amazing when you when you kind of go and learn a skill like this is that um, you know the, the general assembly course that I did is, is three months um, you go through it and the way it works is that by the end you kind of feel like your, 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 you know, your confidence has got to a point where you can go out in the world of work and you can do the mm-hmm. job and then as soon as you actually get a job you realize that everything you learn in that three months is really just the tip of the iceberg right and mm-hmm. actually there's so much more to learn you know there's different languages there's different frameworks there's front end there's back end there's you know completely different types of software you know if you want there's there's whole other ways you can you know do programming there's functional there's um you know there's object oriented and it's just the field of computer science the field of software development is just so so broad and to put yourself in in that position has been you know has been yeah a great great learning curve and um i do still feel very excited about it though i mean one thing Two things that I'll say is that one, I, I've enjoyed the process of learning to become a software developer much more than I even thought I would. So I actually find the process of it very kind of interesting, very exciting. But second of all, is just that it's 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 quite a unique skill, I think, to work with software. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we all know kind of this this idea that technology is becoming very important. That software is kind of infinitely scalable. Um, you know, that that great quote, um, kind of software, software is eating the world. Mm-hmm. Um, There are very few skills which can have the same degree of kind of impact or or leverage that software can. And um, that excites me. You know, I'm excited now that I have this tool. And with this tool, I can try and build stuff and put stuff out there with relatively little cost and, and kind of see what happens. And that's what's most exciting to me.
0: Wow, that's that's so fantastic because this is I think uh, definitely I completely agree with you. This is a, a skill that uh, nowadays in the in the world we're living, it, it just helps you to build whatever and everything we need. It's it's software based um, in mm-hmm. order to uh, to automatize uh, stuff to improve our lives to make our lives better and just be uh, better as a as a society. So so definitely having that power, you know, it's like being kind of a Superman uh, of yeah the- yeah exactly. <laughs> of this century so so yeah uh, uh, go for it uh, <laughs>
1: thanks I'll, I'll reference quickly actually yes. whilst you whilst you mention that um another matt i know not matt stafford but matt clifford who, who's yes. the founder of entrepreneur first who, which i'm sure you've heard about um yeah. kind of bigger um you know in, investor in the uk who invests in guys often very young and, and mm-hmm. kind of very tech focused he has this great post um I can't remember exactly what it's called, but again, I'll I'll send you the link Um, and it's to do with kind of technology and ambition. And it's this idea that at different points in history, the kind of main way that very ambitious people have been able to act on that ambition has changed. Um, You know, if you look Mm. hundreds of years ago and you were a young, ambitious person, perhaps the best thing... That you could do was become a military leader right because a mm-hmm. military leader might be able to go out and kind of conquer new lands and explore the world and he draws this kind of history to the present day and he says that perhaps the best tool for ambition now is technology yes. and i think that that you know will likely play out to be true Um, mm-hmm. you know technology is a way of one person to have an impact in this day and time that, that perhaps um you know, many people haven't had the opportunity uh, of this scale before. So I think technology is, is still actually, um, you know, people always try and mm-hmm. judge, like, where are we in the technology life cycle? Are we early? Are we late? Um, I, you know, I'm not going to make a guess at that. I don't really know. But I feel mm-hmm. like technology is going to have a, you know, a huge, huge impact and continue to have a huge impact for, for many years to come. So I think it's a it's still an interesting place to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I completely agree. I think, I think definitely it's, it's the best place to be. Uh, so 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 you are on the right track. Another thing, I'm 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 also uh, I also remember of you and especially you are very active on on Twitter, um, mm-hmm, yeah. and you 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 publish. Uh, I I remember you you used to publish a lot, and um, one of the things it's the side project. You are you are giving tips. Sorry, uh, if I remember reading one of, you know, one of your articles, how to make. Um, how to start the side project and maybe turn that side project into, into your project, into the main project. And uh, um, Which specific tip would you give uh, listeners regarding who are probably have a side project, who are thinking of starting uh, a new one? Um, I remember you also were giving tips on monetizing them, which I also found very interesting because I think it's, it's, uh, if you know how to monetize side projects, it's, it's even more engaging. You know, to spend your time on. So, so yeah, just if you can um, summarize uh, some tips that you you've been uh, practicing yourself or, or or learning from other people.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, so first of all, just to talk about side projects in general, and maybe set some context. Um, yeah. I mean, my main attraction to side projects in the first place is just that I think first and foremost is they're a great vehicle for learning, right? Mm. You know. I think if if we're talking about the growth mindset, if we're talking about opportunities to learn, a side project can be an amazing way to package a lot of learning into a short space of time. Um, Why? Uh, Because I think oftentimes if you pick a side project well, um, you know, it's something you enjoy. It's something you're well motivated to do. It's something that hopefully gives you energy. And um, hopefully it's something that can touch on a a few different skills, you know, and, and side projects come in a lot of shapes and size sizes, right? You know, writing a blog might be a side project, starting a little product might be a a side project. Um, You know, starting a podcast like this might be a a side project. So I think that, you know, a side project is, First and foremost, just a great vehicle for learning. Um, you know, I myself have, have tried to start a few side projects over the time with mixed success. So you know, mm. I don't, I don't, I don't kind of um, see myself as a guru of the side project in any way. But but I do think that it's it's a very kind of good thing to be trying, right? Yeah. And I think more and more in a world where people identify so strongly with their career, um, a side project is a way to really kind of put your personality into that. I think ultimately in our in our you know in our regular kind of day job if you see it that way mm. um you're always going to be you know building the thing that your company wants you're always going to be yeah. building the thing in the way that your your boss or your manager or, mm. or your ceo feels that that you should so a side project can be a, a way really to express yourself um in the way that you want to mm. um, so i think that's the glorious thing about a side project. um and of course if it if it can make make some money and uh, you can begin to monetize it and and that can become your full-time thing then then that's great as well i mean for me, in terms of um, maybe any tips I can give, um, I think I, I've started m- maybe a couple of side projects. Um, one, maybe I'll give a kind of anti-tip. Um, yeah, I remember no that I started I started a project, started a project um, probably back in 2014. Now this is with a with a guy who is uh, uh, I worked with at Y Plan, which is a venture back startup, but, uh, sort of a, a while ago. Um, and we were looking at doing something in the music space, so we kind of had this idea that um you know in a world where social media was kind of more prevalent um could we essentially use data from twitter from facebook you know see people's followers etc to kind of predict which musicians which young artists were going to become popular in the next three months six months a year so the idea was that within within music uh kind of labels they have a, a function called anr anr typically their responsibility is to go out there and like find new talent and typically mm-hmm. they do this in quite an, or, or at least back then they did it in quite an uh in a way that was not driven by technology so mm-hmm. the idea was could we use technology and kind of um data online to, to to find these people and I thought it was a really cool idea I actually think uh, there was a business that went on to do something like this and, and did quite well um but you know maybe my anti-tip was at the time we we kind of knew what we wanted to do and we knew that we wanted to start a side project but we didn't know exactly what that looked like so mm-hmm. we started this project we got together we kind of put some stuff out there but we didn't really know what it was was it was it a platform was it a product was it on the web was it an app uh, was it built on top of YouTube and, and Facebook and Twitter, or or was it a standalone thing? So I think my first uh, kind of um, tip would maybe be to like actually think about what what is it you want to build, what what is it yeah. that it lo- how does it look, how does someone use it, um, which maybe seems like obvious advice now, but to me at that age, uh, it, 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 we kind of got we got um, we tripped up on that, and I think now um, as I'm a bit more mature, one thing uh, that maybe stands out to me is. Um, as maybe a tip is, is you know, do something that is kind of uh, close to your skill set and and something that you can really add value to, right? Yeah. Um, I think oftentimes we we can come up with ideas which we think are good ideas, but um, I think it's important to come up with an idea or, or a side project, which is not just a good idea object- objectively, but also a good idea that you personally can add value to, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I do this sometimes with my, with my friends where we'll come up with an idea and we'll say, oh, that's so interesting. You know, that, that would be a really good uh, startup or side project to do. And then I stop and think, wait a second I would be a terrible person to do that yeah. <laughs> you know or, or at least there would be someone much better than me to do that so I think doing something um wh- which you can add value to right away which you can breathe energy into which you can get up and running um is a good idea
0: yeah, and definitely. This also reminds me, even for startups. It's, I think it's this kind of the same um, process, you know. Even um, starting starting a project or a startup, um, which can turn into a startup, I suppose. But it's thinking about who. Uh, or what can you add value as a, as a founder, you know, because there's founders, I think, and I think that's a, a mistake. I'm, I'm not anyone to say it, but I think definitely the value of a, of a founder who has been in the field for many years, and there are studies about it, they are um, prone to be more successful than, than other founders who start something and they haven't been in the industry because they don't know the industry. So uh, I think this kind of uh, can be extended to the, whenever somebody, uh, is thinking about starting a new project or uh, or, or even a, a new startup and I and I think it's also we're living in a world where everyone uh, I like it that you define it as a side project because I think any startup should start like this and um, mm-hmm. there are some founders out there who just want to start something and just they go all big into something and they haven't asked themselves so all this question you you didn't uh, ask yourself, I don't know, ten years ago when you were thinking about about this project. So, so I think it's that's something that can be um, can be applied to the to the startup world. I don't know about your experience with the with founders you've met. Mine, uh, uh, it it has been a little bit um, in in this line, you know, because I've met people who who probably started something that they haven't experienced in, and I think it's very important mm-hmm. before starting something. If, if you're passionate about, I think you can learn um, quick enough uh, in order to uh, to to be able to to bring value to it. But definitely, uh, having a, a, a I don't know a ten years' experience in that skill, it's much better than someone who hasn't.
1: For sure, and I and I, I, I want to say as well that, that you know maybe place to caveat. I think there is a balance here, right? Mm. I don't think you need to. I also don't think you need to be completely a domain expert and yeah. I don't think you need to have been dreaming about a certain industry for 10 years. or you have been dreaming about an idea for 10 years in order to make it actionable. Yeah. But I do think that you have to have, you, you have to have some reason why you can be there and adding value in the, in the first, mm-hmm. you know, in the first one month, two months, six months. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that, cause that's your kind of advantage. I mean, in the kind of mm-hmm. VC world, they, they speak about what's your domain experience or, or what's your kind of unique advantage. Right. And I, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure you have to go to that extreme, but, yeah. but I think in the, very, in the very genesis of an idea, in the very early stage of an idea, um, your ability to breathe life into it, to breathe energy into it, to connect people around that idea, mm. depending on what the idea is, is very important, right? Yeah. And of course, there are people who can have success in, um, in an industry that maybe they haven't worked in before. And sometimes there's even a benefit to doing that, right? Because yeah. you come at it with a, with a fresh perspective or, or maybe some sort of... Um, uh, some sort of naivety which actually plays out in your advantage but i'm sure those people came with 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 something with some different skill which was important you know yeah. so whether it's a network or, or, or an energy or community or whatever um you know picking a side project where you can immediately add value i think is not only valuable for the side project but it's also valuable for you right because you feel better doing it you know if you if you mm. can pick something where you can immediately add value where you can immediately build them bit of momentum i think it's just going to be a more more fun experience and therefore is going to be something that you are more likely to stick with and that you are more likely to benefit
0: from. yeah 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 wow uh, that's that's fantastic i think uh, your what you uh, just added on it's fantastic um and also regarding um career management you are something that uh you you are so very focused on and uh definitely you are you are a growth mindset person because you're constantly uh you know learning thinking about which ways you know to improve yourself and uh, the side projects are an example of it of it uh, and uh even though you're you shifting careers and going into programming is also an example of it how do you um Do you define like career management? It's something that uh, uh, you told me you're interested in. um, And it's something uh, probably uh, London, it's a much more... Uh, how would I say, uh, competitive uh, work market where people are much more uh, competitive or um, not competitive, but like uh, striving for more on a daily basis or on a monthly basis. And they have very specific um, milestones mm-hmm. to reach before they're 30, before they're 35. And it's something here um, in Spain, I think we don't have it much. So so um, how would how you define career management and what do you think it's a, it's a good perspective uh, uh in your case a uh, good example
1: yeah, so career management um let me kind of build on that as as an idea or as an a topic I mean for me when I say career management i i I kind of simply mean thinking about your career maybe more than the average person does, yeah, and by that I mean that I think my experience coming out of university um was that I think of my uh, ten closest friends. I asked all of them when we left university, um, you know, what do you want to do, what, what do you see yourself doing in five years, that kind of question. And mm-hmm. I think a year later, of those same, same kind of 10 people, maybe two or three people had kind of ended up doing exactly what they thought they were going to do. And the other kind of seven ended up doing something, you know, vaguely related or, or just fell into something else, or, or maybe didn't even know what they wanted to do in the first place. And that just struck me as quite, as quite an interesting idea, right? Like you're going to spend a significant part of your time uh, of your life, building a career. You're going to spend a significant time, um, amount of your time working. Um, it it felt to me that that was something that you should spend a a fair bit of time actually thinking about, like what type of career do I want to have? What, what type of industry do I want to work in? What type of people do I want to meet and spend my time with? Um, where do I see myself in five years' time, in 10 years' time? And 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 by career management, I guess really I just mean approaching those sorts of questions in quite a deliberate way. So actually thinking about, um, you know, where do I want to be in five years' time and planning around that, actually thinking about, what kind of career do I want to do and planning around that and also revisiting that plan every so often right um you know you know my 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 career is a good example of that you know I I did something I said early on you know I want to work in tech startups I want to do the commercial side because that's where I, I felt I could immediately add value but then you know three years in I revisited that and I ended up joining another startup and then five years in I revisited that and I actually decided that you know, I no okay. longer want to do the sales side. I want to do something on the on the more technology side, and I feel that um, just just approaching your career with maybe a more deliberate kind of view, mm. for many people could could be an interesting thought practice. Now, yeah. I'm I'm still early on in my career to to know whether that will pay off or not, right? Yeah. But I think that it's something that, you know, if I was to tell you for any other walk in life um is it better to plan or is it better to do it completely randomly i imagine most people would say it's probably better to have some sense of a plan and Mm. that's kind of just the thinking i wanted to to apply with with career management um so so just being a bit more rigorous in in how you actually think about your career and how you think about growing within your career path
0: what is your immediate milestone if you have any um in your in your professional career, or something an objective that you you want to attain, maybe not immediate, but maybe I don't know in a five years time, um, do you, do you have already that set, or is something you you're still revisiting, you no, know, on your on the plan you had, or on the on the roadmap you had? For sure.
1: So uh, I can give you. I'm. I'm actually sat in a room where on my wall uh, I have these objectives literally written out on a piece of paper. So so I do have. I do have an, wow. uh, some objectives that I'm kind of working towards. Um, I think for me, I can kind of say my most immediate um, kind of short to medium term goal uh, something like this, which is that I want this year um to be the year that i am kind of recognized as a maker as a creator uh, mm. or put in other words um, maybe in my pr- uh, sort of professional mm. career as a software developer the year that i'm recognized as a, as a credible software engineer and mm. i use the word credible there very deliberately um, one thing that i feared when i made the move from the commercial side of startups to the uh, technical side of startups is that people would kind of see that switch and maybe maybe not look at me as a, as a tech guy, you know, with quotation marks, or as a tech person. Mm. Um, and that that's kind of my first objective, right, is I want people in a year's time to look at me and think, wow, he's a good software developer, or, mm. you know, he's a credible software developer, he is someone who makes things. Um, and that carries in, in kind of my personal life, too, you know, I'm, I'm working on a few side projects at the moment, I want to be mm. someone who's Known as creating products, um, big or small, putting them out there, sharing mm. them on Twitter, sharing them through my other means, and kind of being known as a maker. I think there's a really mm. interesting movement at the moment. Um, I'm not sure if it's big in Barcelona, but we definitely have it in London, and it's this kind of idea of indie hackers. Uh, so mm. people who are kind of making software projects, putting them out themselves, trialing them directly with customers. Um, you know, it's, it's not a new idea, but I feel that it's. People are more empowered to do that than than ever before, and I really want to want to be part of that. Um, so yeah, my short-term to mid-term kind of goal is to be seen as a as a credible software developer and as a credible maker
0: oh that's uh, that's fantastic and I think as you were saying we are we, are, uh, we have so many um, I don't know associations clubs meetups that kind of empower people uh, to do that and I think we definitely should um, take make the most of these opportunities out there because I think some people probably are not aware of or they don't just um, take this opportunity and go for it so definitely that's something uh, empowerment it's something that I think it's you need to be willing to be empowered you know uh, to be yeah. open to it uh, somehow for sure and uh, also uh, well, as you were explaining your 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 career roadmap I, I also was thinking uh, because now I'm a product owner and and it just remind me of a of a of a roadmap you know just a, a, a normal roadmap that we need to have in terms of 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 product and it's something that revisiting that roadmap. It's it's essential for the for the business um, for the business or for the startup just for the its sanity because uh, sometimes just having it there a roadmap and not being able to revisit to kind of um, adequate the um, the objectives that the business has the, that it's on ongoing constantly is changing you know as we go through life and as we go through the product uh, life cycle. Uh, there are changes that happen according to the market uh, many 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 other aspects that can influence that and can incur into a change and definitely that revisiting um, that roadmap it's necessary in order to to be able to adapt and to change it as quick as possible in order to meet the new needs of the market or the new needs that you know your professional career may, may, may have or and I, I really like that that um, uh, applying you to your prof- to your professional and personal life so that that's a, a, a fantastic uh, tip there
1: yeah for sure I think I think that idea is a, a really important one just to piggyback off that um, you know the idea of, of a roadmap I, I read a book um, well I read a book a while ago now I was going to say recently but it was probably a while ago called Designing your Life. Have you ever read that book?
0: I haven't read it, but... Uh,
1: so so it's, a, it's an interesting book. Uh, we can we can link it again. Hmm. Um, but in there, they have um, some ideas around kind of having a compass or, or wayfinding. But, it, but in that book, they basically, the authors kind of describe this idea that, that over time in a career, you should always be kind of making note of things you enjoy, things you don't enjoy, things you want to do more of, so that you can slowly nudge your way to, to more and more hmm. of that. And hmm. I think that's a really interesting idea, right? Because oftentimes... Um, I, I hear people say you know ah oh, if, if I, i'm not like I don't like my job right now so I want to do mm-hmm. something else or or, or or something along those lines right and and sometimes small changes or, or, or several small changes can make a big difference mm-hmm. and you know sometimes maybe it's just you, you want to do less meetings or you want to do more meetings you want to get out of the office more or, and and sometimes it also is a bigger change maybe you need to do a, a career change like myself or maybe you want to do something you know change completely change industry um, but I think the important thing is kind of one, revisiting those, those kind of thoughts and those assumptions, and two, being aware, you know, aware of actually how are you thinking, how are you feeling in the moment, how are you enjoying that? Because I think oftentimes we can kind of go through our work life and, and not really be picking up these cues. Um, so I think being aware of those cues and, like I said, being deliberate about those, we can kind of nudge our, nudge our way to something that feels more aligned with, with what we want to do long term.
0: Yes, yes, um, I completely agree with you um, in in this in this field. Uh, another thing that um, I would also I remember you are also very knowledgeable in terms of, of uh, uh, because you are a curious person in terms of of startups. Uh, and uh, if I remember well, um, you're gonna be surprised by my memory, but I just I have a very selective memory, and I just it was my first day in London. As I mentioned, and I was just absorbing so much, so I, I remember a lot of the. Conversation we had with the other nine 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 <laughs> people we were with, uh, and I remember you were you. If, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, uh, you also knew the, the founder of Deliver. You 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 had the chance to 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 work with them somehow. Um,
1: so so it was it wasn't that I knew the founder of Deliveroo. What it was was I had basically. Kind of weirdly crossed paths with Deliveroo Mm. in some way. So I had bumped into one of their early lead investors uh, at a networking event. I had then, um, I had then like come across one of their other early employees Mm. at another event. So I'd kind of this was before Deliveroo was big. I'd kind of heard of them a few times, and then it was actually one of their recruiters that got in touch with me on LinkedIn, kind of completely out of the blue. Um, so I didn't know yeah. the, the the founder, but I can kind of, had kind of crossed paths with the company in in a few ways before ever actually um, getting getting that message from one of their recruiters. Oh, that's
0: uh, that's uh, that. I mean, London it's it's I suppose it's it's a big place, but people who are interested in the same uh, in the same areas in the same topics they do really bump into each other at events or um, kind of share the same community or network somehow. Um, yeah
1: sure and and to just link back to what we spoke about uh, earlier on, which is you know kind of getting out and meeting people and, and doing that kind kind of thing, I think in my in, in the early part of my career definitely in the first two years, I made a big point of trying to go out and meet people and meet people in the industry and and at that time I mean the London uh, tech ecosystem now is is definitely kind of very big and, and prospering but it's big in the context of tech ecosystem in the context of industries in general it still feels relatively small and actually mm. i think if if you go to a couple of meetups you know you end up bumping into some similar people and you know they're kind of similar investors who do panels and, and this kind of thing um so yeah i mean in some ways that was good luck and in mm. some ways uh you know it was through getting myself out there and kind of putting myself in those situations so
0: and and you being so involved in in, in the startup uh, ecosystem um, you know you have a lot of knowledge about you know uh, vc uh, investment um and regarding just the, the startup and i think yours you 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 can be knowledgeable also because you are in an environment where you you constantly hear of people starting new business of people probably uh, um, closing new business starting new project um what do you think um, are the um, I don't know if there is any key to to be a successful founder, uh, or uh, or even like being able to turn your pro- your side project into into your your main project. What do you think are the the best practices uh, in 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 that term, or what does it make uh, a startup successful? I don't know. What is your definition of that? What would you say?
1: Wow, Christine, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's too big, <laughs> um,
1: It's It's a a great question. It's a really interesting question. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure that I have a a great answer or a perfect answer to it. The reason why is that I think um, maybe five years ago, we had this kind of uh, uh, typical idea of what a a, a startup founder looks like, right? Or what, what they are like. You know, they're kind of this charismatic person who who has this idea, and they get yeah. people together, and then they lead that company fearlessly, and and all these kind of things. But but I actually think, um, yeah. as the as the ecosystem matures, that we're seeing that actually that there are many different types of founders, and yeah. founders come in different ways. You know, and yeah. there is the kind of charismatic. Um, more business-focused founder, but then there's also the tech-focused founder, and then there's the product-focused founder, and then there are people who are slightly quieter, who 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 maybe uh, like to do public speaking less, and then there are the people who are really great public speakers. So, so I don't think um, that there is any one great founder anymore, and I think that that's actually a really good thing. Um, I think it I think it's great that there are so many different types of people starting companies, and 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 I hope that there are more and more. You know, when we talk about diversity in tech, I hope that more Women can start startups and I hope that more people from um you know different backgrounds socioeconomic backgrounds can start startups I think that that in general is is a good trend um yeah. but maybe maybe a few things that I've noticed uh from from my my experiences I think one thing is that generally founders are very proactive and pro action mm-hmm. and that I mean and by that I mean that to to start a company I think uh you know you have to have the ability to kind of breathe a lot of energy into this idea early on. Um, a friend said to me recently, um, a guy called Samuel Woods, who, who's kind of a, an up and coming indie developer. He, um, he said to me that he always thinks of his, uh, ideas as being dead from the default. And I like that idea, you know, because if you start with the assumption that your company or your side project is dead, yeah. it's your job as a founder to breathe life into it. It's your job to breathe energy into it. And I think that's the first thing that, that I know, um, you know, good founders to do really well. They have an ability to just breathe energy yeah. into it. Maybe a second thing that I've noticed is that founders typically are, are on the scale of kind of pessimistic pessimistic to optimistic they always seem to be on the more optimistic side. <laughs> yeah. So they generally they generally seem to think things are going to go well or things are going to work out or things are, are just going to happen. And um, I think that that is maybe a self-selecting thing, right? Like maybe yeah. only positive people start companies because they, they are deluded or whatever into thinking mm-hmm. that this is going to happen. But I think in general that that's a good kind of position to have, right? Like yeah. if your default position is, positivity if your default position is that something is going to happen that something's just going to work it means your opportunity to make things happen are, are more likely it means the chance that you'll even try something is much more likely right if you if you kind of walked around with the mindset that um n- nothing's ever going to work or this isn't going to work for that reason for reason a for reason b you're just far less likely to put ideas out there and you're far less likely to put your kind of energy into things um and maybe the third thing that I've noticed uh, about kind of founders or people that are generally believed to have, um, good, uh, you know, good, good, um, good way of starting companies is, is that they kind of value correctness. Um, mm-hmm. and I'll dig in, I'll dig into that a little bit. That means mm-hmm. that whilst they have strong ideas themselves, they typically want people around them to, to kind of help them find a way to what is actually the truth objectively. You know, that there's, there's this idea sometimes that, um, uh, you know, people like to use data, data in startups, data to to analyze decisions, data in product, et um, and product, etc. And and I think a lot of the time that's because data can help you see the truth, right? But even earlier on, it doesn't need, it doesn't necessarily have to be with data. You know, getting four people who you trust, who you think are clever, into a room and actually thinking strategically: do we think the market's going this way or that way? Um, you know, do we think it's eighty percent likely to go to scenario A or you know, 80% likely to go to scenario B. If you can kind of value that correctness and foster the the discussion and people around you to to get to that that stage, I think that's a that's something that I've noticed great people do. I think a great example mm-hmm. of this is. And, and as someone who I've heard speak about this is, is Patrick Collison, uh, the founder of Stripe. Uh, mm. I can't remember exactly the podcast, but I, I think he's an, a, an incredibly smart guy. Um, I've listened to him on a number of podcasts and he talks about this idea, kind of valuing correctness. Um, and, you know, not necessarily holding your own ideas just to be right, but really yeah. letting people around you test them and stress test them and just get to the point where actually we think this is the best way to go forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, definitely, I think this is, um, I really like that you, you pointed this uh, one out uh, because I think it's, to me, uh, one of the the, the most uh, important because I think, I don't know if it was Steve Jobs who said, you know, you're paying clever people to work for you, not to tell them what to do. They should be the mm-hmm. ones, you know, coming up with ideas because I do think, um, you know, that what we, uh, leaders don't do it, it this way, but what we some people who are still in that process of turning into leaders, and they are still uh, midway from being uh, from start from being a boss to being a leader, they they do fail in this point. You know, I think it's super crucial that as a founder you do have a very strong uh, objective or uh, know how how to build your business but definitely allowing people around you um coming up with new ideas or uh you know as you were saying you know fostering that safe environment where ideas can grow uh and, and be discussed, you know, because and For nothing sure. is, is bad, you know, anything anything that um may come up in a, in, in a discussion is bad if it uh, helps to uh, build in, uh, into other ideas or breathe life into other future projects or side projects. So so that's something I, I definitely uh, 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 like that you pointed out because uh correctness. And, and I think it's a, also an ego issue, mm-hmm. you know, because just being able to to know that probably you are not right or just um uh, allowing other people to kind of um challenge your views Uh, i think it's the best way and also for not just founders, just us as people you know when we're in conversation or in debates and discussing with people just um kind of being able to leave ego aside and and stop and think that this person is right this is how you know, mind shifting occurs, you know, just us living ego and living, uh, um, other, you know, more, um, emotional issues coming in the way, you know, I'm right. I should be right. And because, uh, allows us to grow and, and, and learn and, 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 and you know, uh, acquire that growth mindset and be better at what we do.
1: One 100%. I think, you know, you mentioned ego there, and I think that's a big thing, right? I think oftentimes, um, I'm not exactly sure where we pick it up from but but generally I think most people Their their first kind of thought is I want to be right I want to yeah. be the one that has the idea that that's right and actually like you said I think if you can kind of use the collective minds of you and your peers and your best friends mm-hmm. and your colleagues or Whatever to get to a point where it's not necessarily. I want to be right but I want to make sure that as a group that as a team we are mm-hmm. more correct I think that's a great place to be in. And mm. of course, there's a balance, right? I, I mean, I talk about the value of correctness. Mm. This is directly in balance with uh, a virtue like speed, for example. As a startup or as a as a side project, um, you know, you you want to be doing things and, and kind of you want to uh, gather momentum and speed. Mm. You won't always – I think there's a great G, Jeff Bezos quote where he talks about kind of um, – if you have all the inf- information with, uh, you know, if you have all the information to make a decision, you're not moving quick enough or something like that. Yeah. And, and of course there's a trade off, mm. right? So I think mm. you want to be making decisions um, quickly enough or, or that, that you are making progress, but you also want to be doing things to what degree that you can be correct. Uh, again, Patrick Collison has some great stuff on this in a podcast where he talks about, you know, oftentimes, um, you can do. You can go out there and research things, or, or you know, get more people in the room to to at least get to a place where you are more correct. Yeah. You know and even if even if it's only 80 percent correct that's better than being 20 percent correct i think sometimes there's this fallacy in in the startup world yeah. that you know hey let's just move quick and if we fail we'll pivot or if we fail we'll yeah. do something else you know and I, I i think that that's not always the right way of thinking as well um yeah let's move quick yeah let's feel like we're in a safe environment where we can take some risk but let's also kind of try and and do things uh, the right way from the outset if possible you know it won't always be possible but it's it's better to at least try uh, to to think about these these things critically from the outset
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I think Jeff Bezos is also uh, has something. Whenever he writes this uh, letters at the end of the, uh, of the year, he, he. I think he also uh, talks uh, and adds a lot of information on that. You know how, in terms of uh, of uh, speed or in decision making. You know because sometimes you you don't have enough information to, to take uh, to make a decision. But uh, you need to, to do it, you know, so, so he talks a lot about that and it's very interesting if you have the chance to, to read one of, the, of his uh, letters, it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, cool. So uh, that's, that's fantastic. Um, I'm just thinking uh, in general, uh, I think we more or less talked about uh, most of the, uh, the stuff that, um, that are of interest to the podcast. And cool. um, I also uh, one thing that you also uh, n- normally talk about or write about is uh, about things that can make us more effective or or uh, seem smarter or more reliable. Uh, reliable. Yeah. I I think that these are uh, things that are somehow also very rela- uh, uh, relative. Sorry, uh, according to the, uh, the the environment you are in. But I found it interesting that you talk about. Non-tangible stuff, you know, because we cannot measure smarters or intelligence, we cannot measure mm. uh, reliability. And I found interesting, I would like to, to in order to wrap up, I would like you to, to, uh, to uh, talk, talk me a little bit more about this. This aspects that are very important, I think, in one person and how can we sure. kind of enhance them?
1: For sure. So, so this is actually something that I, that I want to write more about. I, at the moment, I have kind of a, a vague collection of ideas on it, but but I think it's a really interesting idea. Um, and it's kind of the idea that I think humans. I, I think we as a people, um, we're we're tool builders, right? Um, I think if you if you read the book *Sapiens* or, or or just if you look at history in general, we kind of our defining perhaps characteristic is that we have been able to build tools that collectively make us better than what we really are right so you know if you look at humans versus all the other races we're by no means the most kind of powerful or or we're by no means the best hunter but we were able to develop tools that that enabled us to hunt better than other animals and that that enabled us to produce food better than other animals and if you think about there are many other examples like that in history and i think how do we kind of use that that kind of idea in the modern day How, how do we um use tools to make ourselves seem smarter seem more reliable seem like we have a better memory um and this is something that i've just been experimenting with in my in my kind of in my own life um so a super easy example that is gonna sound pretty unimpressive at the the moment but but i think is, is is a funny one is is one thing you know is the the tool of a calendar right like when we think about people who are reliable or people who are organised, you know, oftentimes we think, "Oh, they just they just got there on time," or "Oh, they just um, they just knew to to write me that message or follow up in two weeks' time," you know. A calendar is a great way of externalising that as a tool, right? Rather than just thinking of all these things in your head, remembering where you need to be, what you need to do, when you should follow up with someone, if you can transfer all of that onto a calendar you know, to other people, you will give off the impression that you are really reliable, that you are really punctual, that you do things on time. Mm. And I think that is, is an example of that. You know, another thing that I do, um, again, relating back to kind of building relationships, meeting new people, fostering relationships over time, um, is that when I meet someone, uh, either for the first time, or let's say I go for a coffee with someone or a lunch with someone and we discuss uh, startups, mm. you know, work, whatever, immediately after that, that conversation, when I say goodbye, I'll open up Evernote and I'll write a quick note of, you know, what was that person like? Uh, were there any things that we discussed that I think were really important and relevant? Is there anything, anything I should follow up with? Um, and, and, you know, when you next come to meet that person, if you can then look at that Evernote, read through it. And in the conversation, you can be like, hey, I know last time we spoke about X, Y, Z. Or I remember last yeah. time you mentioned this they look at you with this, with this face of like, wow, how did you remember that? And Mm -hmm. of course the trick here is that you haven't, you haven't remembered it, right? You've built a tool and you've built a system that gives the appearance that you've done that, Mm -hmm. that gives the appearance that you've, you've kind of remembered this or, and, and it's the same thing, right? In reality, like whether you've remembered it or not, isn't, isn't the kind of the point. The point is, is that you've built a system, you've built a tool, that allows you to do that better. And I, you know, I had this example recently where I met a friend who I remember we, 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 when we first met a number of, a a, a number of months or or even years ago, you know, I wrote down that he was, he was a vegetarian or vegan. Mm -hmm. I wrote that as part of my notes. And then when I met him uh, a year, you know, a year or so later again, and we went for lunch because he was going away. Um, You know, I said, where where do you want to eat? And I said, oh, don't worry. There's this great vegetarian restaurant near me. And he said, oh, wow, you remembered I was vegetarian. And for him, it was like such a big thing, right? But for me, it was like, oh, I just wrote it in my notes. And I think they're... I think a good thing for, for us to be doing is how can we build these little systems, these little tools that make us a little bit more effective, right? Mm-hmm. And make us a little bit more, like I said, a little bit more reliable, a little bit more effective, give the appearance that that we're, you know, better than we are really. And mm-hmm. I think it, it's quite a cool way of operating. And I think that's the history of humans, right? That we, we use these tools for our benefit.
0: It's true. I completely agree with that, you know. And, it's, and there are so many tools out there that probably the issue is, is uh, learn how to use them efficiently you know according to our needs and accommodate that to uh, to our needs for example you use every node but you know i use my some some other tool and um and definitely uh, and we don't measure uh probably uh, nowadays how we measure intelligence is not like as it used to be in past by remembering uh, lots of stuff and you know knowing all the years and all loans all the history and uh, other aspects is just by how we uh, efficiently, with the, with the things we know, we, we are able to kind of uh, dive uh, through life in an efficient way, you know, and using the tools we have uh, at hand uh, in order to be better and, and just make ourselves, uh, m- our life better and more convenient for us and for the people around us. Um one
1: hundred percent. And I think if if ever you're you find yourself doing something um where you think, uh oh I've done this a few times, but I think it could be better or I think I could do it more efficiently, just stop and think for a second about how you could do that. And my my one bit of advice maybe here when it comes to kind of using tools and, and all the range of tools that are out there is just start with the thing that is most simple. Because if you start with something very simple, you can always build on that tool and make it more complex. But if you start with something that is complex from the outset, it's less likely that you'll use it. So start with something that's the most simple, the most general, and then you can make it more specific as you find uh, you, you need to do that.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I I'm I'm very surprised, and one of the things um, I'm very surprised uh, about in this case, uh, talking to you, and uh, it's the. Uh, how would I say the awareness you have, you know, according to yourself uh, as, a, as a person uh, and I saw yourself as a professional and um, And that's fantastic. You know, I think that level of awareness as we think, um, you know, you were explaining about the uh, professional roadmap or all these things that you are uh, interested in uh, I think we need to enhance that level of awareness and be able to see ourselves from outside as we see the other people, you know, and, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that, uh, Stephen, to be honest. And, uh, awareness, so- is a
1: great, awareness is a great word you use because, you know, when we talk about the growth mindset and what does it actually mean, you know, mm. how, how can we kind of be learning? How can we expand on ourselves? Awareness is kind of the first part of that, right? You know, in order to know where maybe you should be improving or, or where you can improve or, or what you mm. should be doing, what, what thing you should learn next, I think that always starts with awareness, self-awareness, you know, knowing something about yourself that you Mm. either want to change or want to improve on and, you know, heightening yourself of self-awareness, heightening your Mm. sense of self-awareness, whether that's through feedback from others, you Mm. know, feedback from around you, whether it's just about thinking on yourself, you know, some people use practices like journaling, et cetera. um, You know, trying to heighten your self-awareness so that you know where next to go in terms of, Improving in terms of learning in terms of picking up a new skill is is the kind of first step really
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely I completely agree with you here and I think we should uh, we should all start there and uh, probably we should dedicate another episode to to self-awareness <laughs> uh, But I'll let you I'll let you to do some more work on it. So so uh, Stephen, it's been fantastic and um, Thank you so much. This is like uh, the virtual coffee uh, we've never had while in London
1: <laughs> so true
0: so uh, I'm I, to be honest it's been such an interesting uh, conversation and listening to you uh, it's uh, it's for me it's it's learning and uh, I've been taking notes um, about it and uh, hopefully one day I also besides the podcast be able to turn this into uh, into a blog too but it's' uh, it's just been great and uh, I'm, I'm so happy that we, we had this moment and we are able to share uh, especially your, your know-how with the audience and, and I'm sure that they will definitely take so many, so many actionable advice uh, that they can apply in their lives.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much Christina for for thinking of me. Thank you for having me on on the on the podcast. Uh, I think it's amazing what you're doing with this podcast and and you know highlighting that growth mindset with other people I think is something you're in a you're in a fantastic position to do. So thanks for having me and uh you know I'm happy to share with you a bunch of links and stuff afterwards and and continue, to continue the conversation with the audience on other so, platforms. So yeah,
0: thanks. Thank you. Have a great day ahead.
1: You too. Bye.